Hello, you're listening to Be Still and Know, a ministry of Carmen United Church in Sydney Mines. My name is Reverend Nick Phillips, and today we kick off our Advent season look at Jeremiah chapter 23, the promise from God. But before we begin, I invite you to join me in prayer. Lord, on this first sighted Sunday of Advent, we wait. We wait for the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ, your Son. And we wait in hope for all things that are to come. And so, Lord, as we gather around your word this day, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, you who are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. Have any of you ever had a promise that you just could not wait for? It could be maybe even this time of year, right? Maybe a special promise of a gift under the tree or the promise of seeing someone who's coming home to visit that we haven't seen in a long time. I think we all have had those moments. We can get excited for these things to arrive. Maybe it's all you can think about. Maybe it keeps you up all night in anticipation of what is to come. I remember Bev was very pregnant with Anthony. And I was still in seminary at the time. And I was sitting in my night class just wondering when this child was finally going to show up. And I was sitting in the class. The class was on the book of Job. And I may have even been listening to the instructor when a friend showed up at the door. Looking in, she caught my eye gave me a good look. She was living in the same residence as we were living in. And I said, is it time? She nodded. And I'm like, I gotta go. And I grabbed my books and threw them in my bag and started to make my way back to the residence building. And I was ready to pick up my wife and we were going to head to the WK and we were going to have ourselves a baby that night. But as I was walking back towards the residence, what did I hear? The alarm system was going off. I was the resident's don, which meant I had to make sure the building was clear to find the source of the alarm and decide whether or not I had to call anyone to come and rescue us or whatever. It seems my friend had misheard my question. What a huge disappointment that was. So instead of a new baby that night, what I went back to was a yard full of cold college students waiting for me to give them the all-clear so they could come back in and get warm. Now, this is an old building, and false alarms were not uncommon. We were just happy it didn't happen at 2 o'clock in the morning like it had in previous times. And yes, it was a false alarm. It was in a storage room on the third floor that an alarm had been tripped. And all was clear. I guess I was at least rescued from the life of Job that night. Although my professor was quite disappointed that I didn't bring a new baby to class next week. It would be another three weeks after the due date before Anthony would finally make his appearance known. There's that promise of something new, something exciting. There's just something about feeling that feeling. It changes things up a bit. It brings new life, new hope a new perspective, and sometimes the changes are small. Like last uh, January, we finally bought some new living room furniture. 
after 20 years of the same coach and chair that had its springs worn out from children jumping on it, a coach that had been moved to seven different residences with us, a coach and chair that had been infested with mice at least twice over that time frame, possibly a third if I would have thought to check when the mouse hit us in that same residence that I was the residence dawn of, living in the basement apartment. But there is something about change. And it's finding how our experiences are of, and a reaction to change how, changes over the years. The new, the exciting. Talking to my 20-year-old self saying the excitement around new living room furniture might not have the same effect as present day me. And we begin this season of Advent and we're looking at promises. The promises of God. And of course, we're looking at one promise in particular, that is the promise of a Savior. The prophet Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah received a promise from God as well that he shared with the Israelites. And we heard it earlier, but I'm going to read it again. Jeremiah 33, the first part of our reading today, starting at verse 14. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell securely. Throughout the Old Testament, God makes promises to Israel and to Judah that he will watch over them, he will save them, he will protect them. They've been waiting hundreds, if not thousands of years for these promises to be fulfilled. How long would you wait? I suspect many of us would have trouble waiting a few months if we received a promise of a Savior. Now, when Jeremiah receives the words of promise and he speaks them to the people, what he does not know is that that promise will not be fulfilled for yet another 600 years. The promise of righteousness from David's lineage is still a very, very, very long way away. Jeremiah is also prophesying during the exile. That is, the Israelites are being removed from their homes and thrown out of the land that they know. This is not a happy time. And if you read through the book of Jeremiah, you will see that, because Jeremiah spends a lot of time complaining about the state of the world they are living in at that time. Yet, at that same time, we get glimpses of hope, that, much like what we read here this morning, the promise of a rescue. So Jeremiah speaks God's words to the people, and in doing so, he is bringing them hope. Hope that someday God is going to do something about all this evil that is going on in their lives. And when Jeremiah speaks these words, he's speaking these words to a generation that's not heard these words much before. Yes, they would know about Moses and Abraham. Yes, they would know about King David. Yes, they would know about the prophet Isaiah because they would have been taught these stories of great hope by their parents, grandparents, teachers, whatever, priests. 
They would know these stories, but when Jeremiah speaks these words of hope, they are hearing them for themselves for the first time. They're hearing this as a fresh word for this generation. They're hearing these words. That even in the midst of chaos, of pain, of fear, God is giving them hope. And the hope is, this is not the end of the story. There's still more to come. There are better times coming. Now they don't know if they will see them or not. But these words are clearly giving them hope as we can almost feel the hope coming coming from Jeremiah as we read it on the pages of Scripture. Now today we know that this promise comes as a baby born in a manger. And we're going to spend the month celebrating this birth. We'll sing our carols. We'll have our plays. Our choir will sing their beautiful anthems. All of this month is dedicated to the coming and the celebration of the birth of the Savior. The rescue were promised from God. But in typical fashion, God does not act in the way we would expect. A baby is born. So what? Babies are born all over this world every minute of the day. What's so special about this one? And it's not clear to us that Jeremiah is talking about the birth of a special baby. He's just talking about the righteousness coming from the family of David. A righteousness that will save Judah and Jerusalem. And this righteousness could come in many different forms. This is how God works. God works in unexpected ways. The Israelites never really looked for the birth of a Savior. I think they just figured someone would step up and take charge someday, like King David did. He did great things, even though he made many mistakes along the way. They figured someone would just stand up and do the right thing, or throw out the oppressors and, and let the people live in peace. When you look at David's family, there's a stream of it that is full of powerful people, born into privilege. They never expected the circumstances by which the righteousness of God would come into the world to save them. They didn't expect a baby to be born in a tiny little village, to what an unknown and possibly even unworthy young woman and her carpenter husband. Why would they expect that? That's not how the world works. And this, isn't that how our world still works today? We expect our great leaders to come from some place we know, from a, from a power position, from a family of privilege. That's where we expect our leaders to come from. We don't expect people like Greta Thunberg to show up on the scene and show up at the, in front of world leaders and, and berating them for their inaction on climate change. We don't expect that. I mean, who's Greta Thunberg? She's a kid. From Sweden. What comes from Sweden? Anything but Ikea? No? And what authority, what power does this young woman have to come and make any changes? Yet, there she is. We're trained to think great leadership comes from places of power, are we not? Isn't that what we expect? 
We expect that the President of the United States is going to come from a powerful and rich family so he can lead a powerful and rich country. When you look at companies, we expect the CEOs to have a a rich history of, of proving themselves to be productive leaders in the workforce so they can lead a company to profitability. There's no place for the Greta Thunbergs of the world, is there? And again, there she is. And we think about the Savior of the world. Shouldn't the Savior of the world come from a powerful and rich family, preferably a king as a father? Shouldn't he? God works in unexpected ways. No one expected the circumstances of his birth. No one expected the power of the crucifixion. No one expected the resurrection. That's not how the world works. When we watch the news, how do we learn if we want to make change in the world? We've got to gather together the world leaders. We need to convince them that it's worth their while to spend their money to make changes. We need to convince them that they're going to benefit from it. That's how we change the world, we're taught. Convince the people of power. And so when we look at Cape Breton, it's like, how can it possibly happen here? We don't have any kind of influence. We're too small. We're too poor. We're too uneducated. We can't do that. But what did they say about Jesus? Let's look at what they said about Jesus when Jesus was calling his first disciples in John chapter 1, starting at verse 43. It says, The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip then found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come from Nazareth? Does anyone remember how Philip responded? He said, come and see. Can anything good come from being born in a manger? Come and see. Can anything good come from an execution? Come and see. Can anything good come from an empty grave, an empty tomb? Come and see. God, throughout all of human history, has not done things the way we would plan them to be done. He works against many, if not all, of our expectations of how someone would come to rescue the world. Jesus didn't come and build a giant megachurch in Jerusalem for people to come and experience the latest worship styles, worship music. He didn't do it that way. Jesus started a street ministry. He went out and met people right where they were living in their own sin, and he set them free. They didn't need to go to the temple to meet God. Jesus brought God to the people, and God brought Jesus to us. It's almost too amazing when you think about it. God sent Jesus into the world to meet us right in the middle of our sin and set us free. He sets us free. 
All of this from a baby born in a manger who grew up to be executed as a criminal only to be raised to life again three days later. No one expected any of that. But it's God's plan. This is how he saves the world, one person at a time, one life at a time. It's how he saved me, and if you don't know it, it's how he saves you and sets you free. Come and see. This is the time of year we look for hope. And there's really only one source of hope that surpasses all others. This hope is found in a manger some 2,000 years ago. As Jesus Christ is born into a nowhere place to nobody parents, yet he sets people free from lives of sin and saves them. Come and see. I'd like to think that today Jesus could have been born in Cape Breton. We're nowhere particularly special. We're far from the excitement of Ottawa and Washington. It's a great place to raise kids. And then someday he'd follow tradition and go up the line for work. Only his work is to save the world. You know what? It can happen today. Jesus can save the world and it can begin here in Cape Breton as we embrace God's righteousness born in Bethlehem. A righteousness promised that would save us, save our homes, save our towns, our villages. It's not going to come from any government but it's going to come from the unexpected places in unexpected times. And when we experience it, life will never be the same again. And that, my friends, is the good news of Christmas. In this unexpected place, at this unexpected time, all we need to do is come and see. Come and see the Savior born for you. Come and see the new life God has in store for you. Come and see the life which makes all things new as God pours out his hope into our lives through the life of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, our Rescuer. Come and see. Let us pray. Lord, we come today to see your goodness, your glory, not just in this church, but in this world and in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for this month of celebration, but also this month of waiting, of anticipating all that you have for us as you seek to set us free, meeting us in the midst of our lives, wherever we may be, and we know that you are here. And so, Lord, we come We wait, we come to see all that you have for us in this season of waiting, this season of hope. May you always be with us. May we know your hope within us and around us. We pray in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, born for us. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Be Still and Know, a ministry of Carmen United Church in Sydney Mines. To learn more about our ministry, please visit our website, www.carmenunited.ca. 
May God bless you this day.